This is KUNM Youth Radio, and I'm your host, Josh Horton. And I'm your other host, Carmen Gallegos. Today, we have a bunch of things planned just for you. First off, we have an interview from Miles on the De Antonio in South Valley, also known as the Kukui Festival. Then we have another awesome interview from our own Maya Keytown about a recent trip she took with the Center for Promotion of Peace to Juarez, Mexico. And of course, all of the rest of the great things we have at Youth Radio, such as great music from our wonderful Miss Ife and awesome informative calendar done by Miles and Maya. So don't move, don't change the station, kick back and enjoy the show. So Ife, what do you have planned for us? Well, we're going to start off our evening with a group called Poe Girl. Poe Girl is a group that started in 2002. They are a five-woman band who have toured in the U.S. and Canada, as well as Europe. They are coming to Santa Fe on November 9th and Albuquerque on November 10th. The name of the song is Nine Hours to Go from their new album, Home to You. Some of her wonderful, wonderful music. And now we have a live interview from Miles and his guest, Brad Legorio, who is an organizer for the Kakui Festival, a tradition that has been taken for 18 years now in the South Valley. Okay, I'm in the studio tonight with Brad Legorio, who is one of the people that is helping to build the Kakui this year. And, uh, it's been going on for almost 20 years now, like Josh said. So, hey, Brad. Hey, Miles. It's nice to have you in the studio tonight. Thanks. Okay, so I'm going to start off by asking, what is the legend of El Kakui and the history of the burning in the South Valley? Well, Miles, even though I know you were an angel as a kid, uh, some kids, um, they had a... Um, they had some times when they were not really listening to their parents and and especially if they were doing something that might you know might be dangerous for them parents would um tell their kids uh well please you better stop this because if you don't you know the kukui is going to get you so the kukui represents uh, like a boogeyman or a, a figure to be feared usually because of a um because if you don't something even worse is going to happen to you. <laughs> and um, so this is a, a, a tradition that uh, comes out of the uh, Chicano and Mexicano communities in the southwest of New Mexico. And um, uh, it's passed down through uh, families. And um, I don't know exactly when the burning, uh, the, the idea, what we do with the El Cucuy, the burning of El Cucuy in the South Valley, the idea is to burn this figure or this fear, burn our fears away and to, uh, uh, then begin anew and with hopefully, uh, less fear and more positive developments and ideas and moves in our lives. Um, and Rudolfo Anaya is the one who initiated this right in, in New Mexico. 
he he obviously had this uh, tradition in his own life as a child and um he he uh, initiated the idea to uh, a, a well-known Chicano author, author I mean uh, sculptor excuse me he's he's the author obviously <laughs> uh, Federico Armijo is the sculptor that Mr. and I uh, talked with and and um they got the idea to uh or to, to celebrate this and, and renew this burning, because the burning also was a tradition in some communities. And, in the Southwest, though, exclusively? Or? Uh, in the Southwest, in Mexico. Um, I don't really know everywhere, but uh, uh, the idea of, uh, of, a, of a figure, uh, of burning your fears away and, uh, and uh, celebrating the end of the harvest and the fall, that, that's a real... Uh, a real international concept and I've heard the stories from all over the world actually so uh, this is the particular one that comes from from uh, the the Chicano culture uh-huh um so how do you think Alcacui affects Albuquerque and the South Valley neighborhood of Albuquerque exclusively I mean how does this kind of pertain to the that neighborhood well the um the real positive thing it does is it brings uh, people of the South Valley of all ages together. And the actual art, uh, the design of the Kukui itself is done by youth. Uh, we have uh, art uh, students at Adobe Acres Elementary and Harrison Middle School, which are the two schools actually that are the closest to where we actually burn the Kukui. Uh, the, the kids have a contest and there's also a poetry contest this year that's going to be part of it and in, in the winner of the art contest uh, uh creates the design that actually becomes the next the next year's kukui so uh i, I am on the group that actually uh, has this model that was designed by a, a young person and we it's our job to um turn this into a large, like a, a 25 to 30 foot structure, a uh, piece of art and, and to burn it. And, um, we also have young people actually wor working on the construction of the, of the El Kukui itself. Um, so how do you think the, the terror culture in the U S of A today, uh, you know, what with all being afraid of, uh, let's just use terrorism as an example, how do you think the Kikui, uh affects people and, and how they, they see their fears and how, how that might help them? Well, unfortunately, uh, there seems to always be something to be afraid of, and I believe that uh, fear is too powerful a guiding force in too many people's lives. So this is one example where we can actually in a in a real concrete way and also a, a, a less concrete way uh, we can a person or any, any anybody who wants to participate it's it's totally open um, can actually um, build a kukui and then and then uh, write down their fears we put them in like a burlap sack and and put the sack actually in the kukui itself just before we light it and I can actually burn this, their fears away, you know, symbolically. But for some people, I think it's it's a very significant thing. And uh, you know, the hope is that every, you know, everybody will have some sense that uh, it's it's more it's better to concentrate on 
positive things in our lives and uh, and less worrying about terrorism but uh, and more uh, let's move to make our communities uh, stronger and uh, and better places and and you know this is all just one part of that concept so so the kakui's been going on for however long and it's always been in the south valley why do you think it's important to have the kakui in the south valley and why why the south valley well um to me it's uh the obvious choice the south valley is a predominantly chicano and mexicano community there it's very mixed including myself i'm i'm white <laughs> and uh but um you know, it's uh, it's it's a place where we really uh, where people uh, understand and have some references in, in their lives and their past, and and they they really uh, enjoy seeing this come alive every year, this process, and and seeing the actual uh, figure uh, put up and and burn this a tremendous uh, event, the actual lighting it creates a, a tremendous uh, fire, <laughs> and it's quite a spectacle. Yeah. Um, why do you think it's important to keep the tradition of the Kikui alive? What with all these things that are happening, you know, immigration problems, you know, make, you know, culture problems with one culture not seeing another culture and understanding that culture and all this stuff and you know what with the war? Why do you think it's important to still have these things that are in that are so important in one community, but? pertain to so much other things outside of that community. I I think it's important for all actually parts of our community, but this for in particularly this this event in the South Valley, it's a way for uh people of the South Valley to uh participate together in some way in a uh, uh an event that is fun and uh uh, has meaning and uh, and also uh, uh, is totally open so that people from outside the South Valley can actually come here and and experience uh, uh, you know a, a process and a, a, a part of the culture that is being carried on in the South Valley itself and and um, anything you know like I say is anything that any uh, projects that will bring people together is, you know, is totally, totally worthwhile. And that's what we should be moving toward instead of uh, concentrating on fearful things. So what are some things that are exclusive to this year's festival that they're going to be having? Uh, thanks for mentioning that. This year is, um, uh, we have a special uh, event uh, that takes place at two o'clock at the South Valley Library. We're uh creating an actual uh, Kukui archive, which will include all of uh, Rodolfo Anaya's writings and, and notes and things uh, when he had the idea and his writings on the subject and uh, pictures and videos and from, uh, from the past Kukuis. And we're also hoping that people uh, will uh, visit this Kukui. It's a, a, the Kukui archive. And actually look at it, and also bring out some maybe some of the pictures or, or stories they have heard in their in their uh, families, and and contribute to the archive that uh, you know for from now until you know the eternity basically, because uh, I know I'm going to be doing this until 
I'm dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, you know, it's, it's just uh, uh, and I, a chan- another chance for people to uh, to uh, contribute and to learn, and and for people also uh, again outside the South Valley to to get a little taste of what goes on in in the South Valley. Well, I think it, I think it's a great event, and that we have it in in Albuquerque, and that it's such, it's in such a great neighborhood, and that we can have so many people come together and have such a a thing that is just spreading wonderful vibes. Because I mean, it's burning your fears, which is not something that a lot of a lot of places would have. I mean, you know, this is exclusive to the Southwest and Mexico, and I think it's a really cool thing. So, um. Do you have anything else to add? Well, the one thing I want to add is that, uh, and re- reemphasize actually, is that we we welcome uh, anyone who wants to uh, come down and find out about it, uh, write about it, um, participate in any way. And uh, I want to give pass along a phone number. Uh, our head artist now is his name is Tom Powell, and his phone number is eight seven three. One two, eight two, and people should feel free to uh, call to uh, uh, ask questions and participate. Come down and help us. Uh, if not this year, next maybe next year or in the future, because we we really would would like to see anyone show up. Okay. Well, um, the other thing I had to ask was, what time is the event of the Kikui? What time does it start? Uh, thank and you again. What's the date? Um, the date is, uh, Sunday, October 28th. We're, as I said before, we're starting at two o'clock at the South Valley library with the, uh, an announcement of the winners for poetry and art. And we'll have the dedication seminary, uh, ceremony with, uh, Rodolfo Anaya and Federico Armijo and others. Federico Armijo was the original, uh, artist. And, um, um, there's going to be that ceremony. And then uh, I think at 5.30 or so, there'll be a procession with Aztec dancing to from the library, uh, the short ways to the uh, South Valley Little League field in the back, between uh, in the park between uh, the library and uh, Harrison Middle School. And then it's around 6 o'clock is when, uh, or just at, you know, as it's getting dark, that's when we uh, will burn the kukui. And there'll be a, a lot of people... Uh, uh, chances for people to write down their fears uh, at the park itself. Cool. So you guys will get to go to the Kikui and burn it and you still won't miss youth radio on Sunday. Wow. You can, That's right. You yeah. Can get or your bring your radio with you. Or bring your radio with you. It's a nice warm fire after it's, after it's down. <laughs> don't so don't you burn can it. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Brad, thank you so much for being here and talking about this awesome event. Thanks, Miles. I appreciate the chance. Okay, here's here's back to Josh. That number again, by the way, is eight seven three one two eight two, and that's Tom Powell, the head Tom, artist. Tom Powell, he's the head artist. So call if you have any more questions. Okay, well, this is one of my favorite segments, and I'll tell you why. Because um, I come from Santa Fe, and in Santa Fe we do um, el sosobra, and when I heard about El Cucuy, I was just like, that's very, very similar to Sosobra. So, I mean, even though I'm only 45 minutes away, I get to do this because I'm in Sosobra, so I'll be able to go. I had one more question just also for people who are listening. Is this event, um, do you have to pay money? Is oh, it- absolutely not. No? It's totally it's free? free, yeah. Oh, so it's better to support the community. <laughs> um, all right, so next up we have more music. Ife, 
Can you tell us what's next, girl? Next up, we are going to have a song by Chichi Peralta. Chichi Peralta's music became known in the 90s. He's an Afro-pop musician from Santa Domingo, which is the capital of the Dominican Republic. This is his song, Baila Venga Chichi, from his album, En Vivo. Carmen, how many times have you been to Mexico? Ooh, Josh, not many. But then again, I don't have to go to Mexico. Mexico's always in me. That's cool. But not everyone is like you. Some actually have to drive down south. And that's what our own Maya did not too long ago. Ooh, I heard that she had the C-pop, something like that. Yup. But let's let Myra and her guests tell you what happened in Mexico. Hi, this is Maya from KUNM Youth Radio, and I'm here with Chelsea Otterness and Gus Pedrotti, talking about an experience of a lifetime only five hours away. These seventh graders from Jefferson Middle School just returned from Juarez, Mexico, with the Center of Promotion of Peace. The Center, or CPOP, is a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to the cultivation of peace on a global level through meditation, prayer, education, and service. Hi, Chelsea and Gus. Welcome to Youth Radio. Thank you. Hello, Maya. Hello. So, um, first I'll start off with, how were you guys, how did you guys get involved with CPOP? Well, I got involved through Chelsea, and I know Chelsea has more information on that than I do. Um, yeah, my parents, Michelle and Scott Otterness, and along with Jetsudo and Chuck O'Hare and Alex, founded this organization just uh, as a non-profit organization. So when you were on your way to Mexico, and even before you went, what were you expecting when you got there? I was definitely not expecting the poverty level that we saw. When you come from America and you might see a homeless person every now and then in downtown or in areas that still have very, very nice equipment, and you go to a place where homeless is okay or shacks are okay, it's, it's a shocker. Of like, well, when I think of Mexico or when my friends think of Mexico, they think of, you know, are you going to go stay at a hotel on the beach? You know, something like that. I wasn't necessarily expecting that kind of thing, but that's, I've never been to Mexico before, so I was kind of expecting that kind of thing. But when we did arrive, I was, I was just kind of shocked. And so that just made the experience just a lot different than anything you could experience in the United States. Wow. Well... The differences must have been pretty astounding. Um, what were your first impressions once you had gotten there? Chelsea, do you want to start? My first impressions were definitely the poverty level. And um, we, when we first went to the community center, for the women's community center, seeing all the kids running around and um, some of the families had up to eight children or six children and single moms and seeing just the little houses just made me feel really appreciative for what I have and know to that I shouldn't take these things for granted. Mm-hmm. How about you, Gus? 
Uh, appreciation is definitely a big part of our experience. Uh, for us to come back and to see all the differences, like all the big store lights and the brand names is the biggest difference, most of all. But uh, my first impressions were definitely more than what I thought they would be. I mean, when you go there and you see the fence that separates America, one of the supposedly greatest countries in the world where everybody is all satisfied, or when you look across, you see literally little shacks and maybe a few concrete walls every now and then. you see a casino, a casino from El Paso. Yeah, and you can, and from Mexico, you can see all the lights of El Paso, and I'm sure that it must be one of the most horrible feelings for someone that lives in Mexico and in a third world country or a third world uh, city like they do and see these giant high-rise buildings and giant so spotlights. Something's better out there, but they can't go. Yeah. Yeah, especially since they can't, like it's really hard for them to get passports and everything. That's terrible. And how did you, how did you react to this? How did you... I honestly lost my appetite. My, it felt like my body was in shock. I mean, I, I couldn't eat anything, and for at least the first day. And your reaction is more of a speechless kind. You just stand there like, whoa, that's different. And then we were all trying to fit in, you know, because we could, Maya could speak Spanish, but none of us could. So we were trying to play nonverbal games like soccer and um, or football, <laughs> and days of the week that they taught us, this game where we jumped down steps. And um, also dancing. We ha- I had one Spanish song on my iPod, and so we all danced to that. And um, the women at the Women's Center really appreciated Gus's dance efforts, and they especially wished him a good, you know, um, acknowledging his dance skills. What Chelsea means to say is that I'm a horrible dancer, but it makes people laugh. Were you surprised that even though the women at the community center could have been biased about how our country is, that how kindly they treated you? Were you surprised about that? Well, it's only hopeful to think that they won't have bias towards someone for their country's origin or where they're from. But I think that you also noticed, Maya, when you came along, that how kindly they did treat us, as if we had been there for years already. They gave all came by and gave us, like, they let us come to their church service, and um, they really let us just kind of blend in, although we didn't know that much Spanish. They translated it all for us. That was very nice. But um, it didn't seem like they weren't staring at us or pointing at us, you know, or anything like that. They really had open arms, and they treat their guests with, like, the utmost respect, and I definitely respect those people. Um, so what did you see that will stick with you for a long time? Um, well, two things. One, when we first reached the the fence, the boy that climbed up to the top, and we did end up giving him money, but um, just the desperation that he had just to get some money and how excited he was that when we did, like his whole family came out and basically greeted us. And um, also, at the end, the last five minutes, um, uh, Victor, a child there, and his mom came up to us, and um, they didn't want us to feel pity for him the whole time. So they said, yeah, my son had died in the flood a 
the year before. So that really touched me that they just didn't want us to have pity for them, but they did end up telling us that. And um, so when Victor met Gus, he felt like happy to know another male and to play with him and stuff. And she offered for us to stay in her house the next time we come. Yeah, that touched me too. I was really surprised about that they could actually like live through the, something like that. I would be so heartbroken. How about you, Gus? Uh, I, I got to know Victor quite well, um, and he was really sweet. But the experience that stuck with me mo- most was the uh, prayer services that they gave because they were all cheerful and they all came together. And uh, when they did that, it, it was like the sun coming through the clouds. It was like a whole new phase of hope. Yeah, I agree with that. I was I was really also touched by their prayer services. Um, so what did you learn from Mexico? Was there anything that taught you a lesson there? I learned that a child there, when they receive a new shirt or new new some sort of article of clothing, because that's like what I take a lot for granted is like brand names. When they receive something like that, they wear it and they like they really enjoy it and probably wear it for like up to three years maybe. Um, but just taking that for granted, how our culture is just really based upon what you wear and how you look, and they just they just wear whatever they can get by on, and they are really focusing, putting all their money and time into their education, and we have all the services and the material to do that but instead our culture is based on other things and Gus everything that she said really applied to me I mean just how a piece of clothing went that far I mean here we can spend up to $80 on a t-shirt from such brands as Hollister American Eagle and Aeropostale and they're like something from Gap that that would last them like a year which would probably be until they grew out of it. And I'm not saying that, like, clothing was scarce there, but just clothing meant that much to them. Um, so how did this change your view of the world? Well, um, the difference of everything, I guess, as I've said many times before, I'm sure, but how much you take for granted. And now when I drive in a car, I'm looking around like, whoa, I'm in a car. That's an expensive object. And keeping and taking care of it costs even more money. So I just, I really think that it just changes your perspective on material objects. My view of the world actually has changed a lot. Living in the United States, it's so sheltered, and we don't really get a chance to go on an an experience like this so early in life and um we always learn about like you know the invisible children and we always see um on the news what's going on but it's like hard to actually visualize what's actually going on and knowing that it's actually going on and um going to Mexico really opened my eyes to really see the experience hands-on and to actually know that these people exist and that they do have lives and they do want their children to have a good future, just like our parents. I found that surprising, too, because my room is about as big as one of the houses, and 
I don't even think my room's very big. And that makes me really like that, like compare and contrast that just puts it in perspective for me about how spoiled, how, yeah, how spoiled we are in America. And just, it makes me like when you ask your parents, oh, can I go out and buy some new jeans? It's like, wait, these kids probably have, they probably don't even get to ask their parents that. So if you ask your parents if you could go buy some jeans, you have, like, after going to Mexico, you have to stop and think, wait, these kids, they don't even get to ask their parents that. If they're lucky, they get, like, maybe three pairs of, three new pairs of jeans, like, maybe every two years. Well, and knowing that their parents probably sewed those jeans and the maquiladoras in Mexico, um, the parents get paid at most maybe $30 a week, 16 of which goes to the bus for their children every week. And it costs, the public schools in Mexico are $300 a semester. So not only are their money situations already not stable, but to get their children an education, it costs so much. And in the United States, the minimum wage, like the people in Mexico get a dollar an hour. It's just ridiculous. And also here, we think of clothes as like a fashion statement. Instead of like something that we actually need, we look around and we're like, oh, that looks cute. How about we get that? But over there, it's like, hey, guess what? My clothes are torn beyond repair but it's also like now that we are fortunate to have enough money and I I I get what you're saying I'm not trying to pick a fight here but we are fortunate enough to have our clothing like the way to reflect our personality or something like that so since we are fortunate to do that that's why I do but I don't want to be completely based upon what I wear so what was the main purpose of going to Mexico um, at first, we were going to go for um, planning a micro garden. Oh, would you like to talk about that, Gus? Sure. Well, uh, a micro garden is something that we built there, and it literally is a micro garden where they can grow peppers and vegetables and just like food for them to eat so that they don't have to go out and pay for that. But it turned out to be that we decided that it was such a magnificent experience that we decided to make a documentary out of it and so we are currently working on that and we're going to make three more trips across the border we filmed kids doing um you know their normal stuff and we interacted with them so yeah that was one of our purposes to bring a camera and film a documentary thank you for doing this interview with me guys um if any of our listeners that are interested in contacting the center of promotion of peace how would they do that um, you could go to promotionofpeace.com, and you could get all the information you need there. Okay, thank you. Um, do you guys have any last words that you'd like to get out there? I would just like to say that the next time you do, go out and get something that you don't need, and it costs money that you may be borrowed from your parents or that you didn't even have to work for, that some kids around the world don't even have the option of knowing what that is. Chelsea? And I would also like to say um, you should really treasure what you do have because you're just very fortunate and our generation should shape up and help other countries.
para Guadalajara Tienes el alma de provinciana, hueles a limpia rosa temprana Ave de paro, fuente de río, son tus palomas mi caserío Guadalajara, Guadalajara, hueles a pura tierra mojada and thank you very much for sharing that piece with us, Maya. It was wonderful. It was a great trip to Mexico. And just to learn in general what the differences of our country towards that country. Well, my country, I guess. <laughs> um, and that was a very nice. I, I love that piece. Um, so, Ife, ¿más música o qué? Yeah. Uh, next up, we're going to have one of my personal favorite songs. It's Get It Together by India Ree from her album Voyage to India. Shot to your heart without breaking your skin. No one has the power to hurt you like your kin. Kept it inside. And now we'll go to the wonderful world of Calendar, which boy Miles and the girl Maya. Hello, listeners. It's time for another amazing edition of Calendar. Hey, Miles, do you know who Concha Ortiz y Pino is? No. Well, she's one of the first female legislators in New Mexico and a women's rights advocate. A tribute to her is going on at the Albuquerque Academy Library for all of October. Visitors are welcome, and for more information, call 828-3200. I will definitely have to check that out, Maya. By the way, do you like Lebanese folk? Uh, yeah, I do. Well... Marcel Khalif will be performing on October 30th at 7.30 p.m. at the Chemo Theater. He plays jazzy Arabic folk and recites poetry. For more info, you, you can visit abqmusic.com. That sounds really cool. Hey, Maya, you're pretty active in the community, right? Yeah, why? Be because you can be nominated for a Violet Richardson Award. This award recognizes young women that make a difference in the community. The deadline to nominate someone is Saturday, December 1st. And for more info, you can call 797-8032. What a cool award. Hey, what are you doing on Halloween? Trick-or-treating and stuff. Why? Because on October 31st at the Lenzik Theater in Santa Fe, um, they'll be having a Halloween party. So what are some activities that they're going to be doing over there? A costume contest and the movie Gremlins will be showing at 8. Um... For more information, call 988-1234. Now my Halloween will be awesome. Awesome. Hey, awesome. do you have a dog? Yes, I do. His name is Tyler, and he's a little... So cute. <laughs> well, you should take him to the 25th annual Doggy Dash and Doddle on November 4th at the Balloon Fiesta Park. The Doggy Dash and Doddle benefits the Humane Society of New Mexico. November 1st is the registration deadline, and for more information, uh, visit ahanm.org. Well, I will definitely do that. Me and Tyler can go train and then go to the, the Doggy Dash and Doddle, and then we can go home and, and, and cuddle. Hey, Miles, guess what? What? 
On Saturday the 27th, scholars, farmers, and ranchers will talk about the connection between land and between the land and culture of New Mexico. Uh, where is this going to be held? Um, at the Northern New Mexico College Theater from 9 to 7. For more information, call 586-1769 or 699-4064. Well, that is awesome. I am definitely going to go. So, Maya, do you know anything about the burning of the Kukui? Um, no, I don't really. What's a Kukui? Well, it's a ceremony to burn away all of your sorrows and celebrate the coming of fall. It's on Sunday, October 28th at 6 p.m. at the South Valley Library. That's going to be awesome. But hey, I heard something about the Aztec dancers earlier. Well, Aztec dancers will be at the Kukui, but they'll also be at the NHCC on November 8th. And Ife is going to tell me how to say this word right now. How do you, how do you say it? They're going to be at the Calpuli Itzcali. Oh, that's it. Yeah, they're called the Calpuli Itzcali, and they're going to be at the NHCC at 8 p.m. on November 8th. More info is at 724-4471. That's awesome. <laughs> so that does it for this remarkable calendar. If you missed any events tonight, you can go to myspace.com slash youthradionewmexico. I love you. Now back to hosts. Que onda, guys? What's up? Once again, we have, unfortunately, come to the end of our beautiful and wonderful show. But before we go, um, le quiero mandar unos saluditos a mi abue, que es última semana aquí, mi tía. Um, I love you guys. Thank you guys for coming so much. Um, me divertí mucho, una quinceañera. A mi mi dad, que está escuchando, y mis hermanos, y mi mamá, y todos. Este, los quiero mucho. Okay, sorry, I had just rant in Spanish. Um, you also wanted to say something, huh? Um, yes, this is John Glenn, and I just wanted to give a special birthday shout out to my dad, whose birthday is this week. Go, daddy. It's your birthday. Uh-huh. That's right. <laughs> so, hi to our relatives, and happy birthday to John Glenn's father. Feliz cumpleaños. And so we've come to the end of our show. Our engineer was... John Glenn, and our great music selection was done by Ife. Segments were produced by Miles and Maya. And our co-conspirators are Camaria Umi, Samantha Stowers, Marcos Martinez, and Roberta Rael. Other participants of Youth Radio that weren't present today will have to be Diana Barrenmore, Lucia Martinez, John John Guzman, Carson Lafferty. Don't miss our next show next Sunday at 7 p.m. on the same station bringing you all the goods. 89.9 KUNF. Next up, spoken word. But before we go, some more tunes with Miss Ife. Adios. Ciao. Okay, we're going to take it old school with uh, Shirley Brown's song, Woman to Woman. After that, we're going to hear a song from Aaliyah called More Than a Woman from her Greatest Hits album. And if we have time, we'll hear another song by Linda Lindell and then another song by Jill Scott called Golden. Barbara, 
Barbara, this is Shirley. You might not know who I am, but the reason I'm...